Morning. If you get a Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Acts chapter 17. We're looking at Acts 17. Um, as some of you may know, we uh, uh, are going through two series simultaneously here at Redeemer. Uh, Chet is preaching through Micah, and um, interspersed in that is a series on uh, missional living. And today we're going to talk about missional relationships. Okay. Now, um, let's just for a minute, let's do a quick review, because this word missional sometimes causes people problems. Okay. And missional simply means living out of God's mission. <clears throat> Excuse me. Living out of God's mission. So missional is not something we do, but it's something that we are. It, it, it's a way of living. In which we're living out God's mission, and God's mission is by is to bring glory to Himself by redeeming pe- a, a people for His own pleasure, and, and that is accomplished in Christ. Okay, so that's that's missional. We have this missional living series, and now we're going to talk about missional relationships. And I have both our vision statement and our mission statement for Redeemer Church um, as a reminder because you know. If we're talking about missional relationships, relationships that live out God's mission, okay, relationships that are focused toward that, then, man, our vision statement and our mission statement here at Redeemer Church really reflect that. I mean, look at that. Because we exist to exalt Christ, we strive to see lives transformed to the glory of God through the proclamation of the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit to all peoples. That's about seeing God's mission fulfilled in our context, in our city. And then our mission, our mission at Redeemer Church is to build a redemptive community or redemptive communities of gospel-centered people. Okay? And remember the last message in the Missional Living series? Does anybody remember what that was? Very good, Pastor Chet. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, missional community. Okay? And we talked about how that's God's will for His people that we live out His mission in community with one another. And we looked at several implications of that. Well, you know, we're saying our mission is to, is to be about the work, living out that mission of the vision in communities being established of gospel-centered people. So again, our vicious statement, our mission statement are about a bunch of things, but they're about missional relationships. We're going to see our vision fulfilled, and we're going to fulfill our mission as we practice, live out, and build missional relationships. Plus, Seeing our vision statement and seeing our mission statement from time to time is just always good. Okay, That's just a good reminder for us about who we are, who does God's called us to be as Redeemer Church. So, um, Acts 17, and um, I want us to look first, because we're going we're, we're gonna to look at the foundation for missional relationships. We're going to look at a practice in Scripture of missional relationships, and then we're going to kind of bring it together with some application. What does that look like in our context? So let's look at Acts 17, 24 to 27. First, 
and, and this is the foundation of missional relationships. <clears throat> Before I read this, uh, let me just give you a real quick uh, context. Paul, the apostle, um, is in the city of Athens. And he has been called to come before the Areopagus, which is this uh, uh, group of people, who philosophers and learned people who like to sit around and just discuss new ideas and exchange new ideas and old ideas and debate and whatever. And Paul has been called before them because they've heard his preaching, heard about his preaching, and so... He gets called before them, and this is what he says. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, being, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Now, I want to suggest that, that the passage of scripture that I just read from Paul's sermon um, before the Areopagus at Mars Hill is the foundation. It's the foundation for for missional relationships. This is this informs and and is what undergirds and, and even in some ways motivates the practice of missional relationships. And it starts with God being exalted. And that that's that's where Paul starts. He says this God who is the Lord of heaven and earth, who's made everything he does not live in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands, but instead he himself gives to man life, breath, and everything else. Whatever, whatever our practice is, whatever we do in this idea of building relationships that, that live out the mission of God, it's still God's mission, and it's about him, and he is this great and exalted and and. and all-powerful, almighty, heavenly Father, creator of everything, who's Lord, who rules everything, and he gives everything to man. How many times can you say everything? You know, I mean, that's, that's God being exalted. And so, as we think about our own practice of missional relationships, which we're going to get to in a, while, in a little while, we've got to start with God being exalted. That has to be, that must be our starting place, our foundation for missional relationships. It, it's, it's all about Him. It's all about God. And the fact that He is Lord of everything. Lord means ruler, right? Lord means boss, ruler. You know, He, he just, He rules over all that He has made. What has He made? Everything. That's that word everything again, yeah, yeah. He, wow, that's ancient Hebrew, by the way, wow, okay, actually, that may not be true, I, I didn't do very well in Hebrew in seminary, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's all about God, and Him being exalted, 
for who he is, for who and what he is, who the self-existent one, the almighty God, what ruler, creator, ruler of everything. And then Paul talks about God's plan, God's purpose. Go ahead and advance to the next slide. Okay. And our part in God's plan. Because this God who made everything, who rules over everything, who is not served by human hands, who doesn't even, he doesn't even live in temples made by, by hands, built by hands. Isn't that interesting? You know, because, um, Paul is in Athens and, and there are temples to all kinds of gods. You know, you got temples to all these gods everywhere. And, and the belief was those gods inhabited those temples. And here's the deal. They wouldn't inhabit the temple until you built it. So, you know, this ancient uh, uh, pagan religions um, had the philosophy, build it <laughs> and he will come. Okay, so build it and God, this particular deity will show up. If you want Zeus to show up, you build the grand temple to Zeus and he'll inhabit it. Or, you know, or maybe you want, um, you know, okay, I'm, I'm my, my uh, Poseidon. If you want Poseidon, uh, you, know what, you know where I'm getting these? Yeah, two movie previews, okay? <laughs> Percy Jackson and the Olympians and the lightning thief and then the clash of the titans so that's where i'm getting i'm sorry you know because i'm a little i'm not not up on my greek mythology okay but you know what i'm saying if you, if you want these gods to show up you build the grandest temple and the god shows up that was their belief and paul says the true god the one who's god of all and god of everything he doesn't even live in your puny little temples okay all right he didn't do that he doesn't need man in fact he himself has from one man created all mankind. And not only has he done that, not only has God created every nation of men, God has determined the exact times they would live, where they would be, and when they would be there. The times and the boundaries of their habitations. The times and the places where they would be and where they would live and when. And then... He says, and here's why God did that. So that together, men would reach out for him. And feel their way toward him and find him. Because he's not far from each one of us. Our part in God's plan. God's plan, God's purpose, God's will for his people is that we would take advantage of the time and place that God has put us to help others find Him. That's the way God has chosen to bring about the salvation of men and women. Because God put them there at that time and in that place for this purpose of together reaching out for Him and finding Him. That, just like when we talked about missional community and we looked at 1 Peter 2, like 9 and 10, and, and we talked about being a chosen people, and, and we talked about how that reflected that this is God's plan for us. 
This is God's plan for His people. This is God's purpose, God's will for His people, and God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. Well, again, in this area of missional relationships, we see that that is God's will for His people. God's will for us who follow Christ is that we would take advantage of the time and the place that God Himself has put us to interact with others and point them to and and together with them reach out for God and find Him. And now here's the glory as part of all that. His nearness. God's nearness in this process. He says, because He is not far from each one of us. Okay? Think about the person that you think is least likely to come to faith in Christ. I recently um, made a very bad decision about a movie. Okay? And so right now, Tracy Morgan (laughs) is the guy I think (laughs) at this moment, because I saw that movie, Cop Out, bad movie, don't go. Okay? Or or Bruce Willis. Okay? All right? I I can pick either one of those guys. Either Bruce Willis or Tracy Morgan. Those two guys right now, based on this movie that I went to, seem to be the furthest from the kingdom of God. Okay? All right? But here's the deal. I'm wrong. Because he is not far from each one of us. You know, and, and that needs to be a, a part of our foundation in missional relationships because here's what, here's what we're in danger of doing. What I just did. Thinking that there are two people that are further from the kingdom of God than someone else. God is not far from each one of us. So who, whoever it is I might, I might be tempted to think is further from the kingdom of God than someone else. I'm wrong. So the reality is, you know, Tracy Morgan, Bruce Willis, insert whoever here, is as close to the kingdom of God as any other. Because God is not far from each one of us. His nearness in this process is part of the foundation for missional relationships. We, we can't, when it gets to our practice of missional relationships, we can't say, I'm going to avoid a relationship with that person because they, they're, they're just so far from God. I'm not going to waste my time there. I'm going to go over here to this person that seems to me to be closer. But that's a denial of the truth. Because the truth is, he is not far from each one of us. So, again, foundation for, for missional relationships must begin with, has to begin with, God being exalted. It starts with Him. And then acknowledging and, and living out our part in God's plan. Or just we could just say God's plan. Because God's plan is that we'd have this part. <laughs> okay? You get it? You know, that, that is His plan. That is His will. And remember what, what, what's true about God's will? Yeah. It's good. It's pleasing. And it's perfect. I, you know what? I think perhaps, perhaps you guys have forgotten a little bit about... Um, my particular uh, preaching styles, when I ask a question, I generally anticipate a response from you. Do you understand? Thank you. Very good. Okay, great. Now I want us to kind of move and look at practice. Okay? And so when we look at practice, we're uh, going to look at Acts 17, 16 to 21. 
So just move your eye up a little bit, uh, and starting in verse 16 of Acts 17. Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue and with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. I think this is a great picture of, a, of the practice of missional relationships. And uh, it's built on the foundation that we've already talked about, that, that Paul lays out a little bit later when he's actually preaching before the Areopagus at Mars Hill. So I, I know it's funny, we looked at something later in the text first, and then we backed up, and I know that's you know not normally the way we do that, or even I do that, but it just seemed like that's what we needed to do. Okay, so practice of missional relationships. So what does Paul do in Athens? Well, first, he engages the culture. Paul engages the culture. He, he looks around, spends time in the city, and he realizes... There are idols, there are altars to, to gods all over this city. Now, I want to say something about engaging culture, though. Because there there's a danger there. There's a danger in engaging the culture. Notice I said Paul walked around the city and observed all of these altars to various gods. But Paul did not offer sacrifices at any of those altars. Paul did not engage in worship of any of those false deities. Yes, he was in the culture. He was there observing, engaging. But when he engaged the culture, something happened inside of him. He was provoked in his spirit. And that provoking in his spirit is sort of this combination of, of righteous indignation and godly sorrow. That's what it means. Because on the one hand, Paul is just, he's grieved. He's grieved that these people have been so blinded by the enemy that they really believe that if you build a temple, a God will come there. Or if you build an altar and offer a sacrifice, a God will be pleased by that. He's sad that, that they've been so deceived. And they are lost. But he's also indignant, angry, that God's glory is being trashed. That the glory and the praise that belongs to God is being given to others. God is being robbed of his glory. Because God says, 
I'm the Lord and that's my name. I will not share my glory with another or my praise with graven images. And that's exactly what's going on in the city. So he's also angry about that. And so that, that word, when it says that he's provoked in his spirit, that's what Paul is experiencing because of his engagement with the culture. That's the approach we have to have when we engage the culture. And, I, and, and Okay, and I'm going to be the first to admit to you, I am preaching to myself in this area this morning. Because you guys know me, right? Well, at least some of you do. Many of you know me. You know? What, yes. And, and what do I do pretty much every weekend? I, yeah, movies and sports. I go to movies and I watch sports. And I... And, 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 and I, I have to admit, I have to confess that sometimes when I watch movies and, 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 and watch sports, it's simply me for my own entertainment. And I'm not observing that aspect of culture to see where the idolatry in my culture is. To see what those who are apart from Christ are trusting in and looking to. I am not engaging the culture so that it provokes me in my spirit when I see the idolatry. I'm engaging the culture because it feels good and entertains me. And you know, and again, I'm not saying you can't be entertained. I'm not saying that at all. Okay, but what I am saying is, is yes, we need to be in the culture, we need to be engaging the culture, we need to be going, know what's going on in the culture, we need to be observing the culture. But, but the culture. The unbelieving culture around us is still an unbelieving culture. And it is going to be in opposition to Christ. And we've got to be able to recognize that when we encounter it. And it's got to provoke us. It must provoke us in our spirit. And I confess, I have to say that I, there, there are times that I don't engage culture at that level. Where, where I allow it to provoke my spirit when there's something in the culture that, that needs to be rejected. Because there are, there are things in our culture just as, as followers of Christ we need to outright reject. And there are some things in our culture that, that, that we need to redeem. You know? That, that, that can be glorifying to Christ, but they've been kind of perverted. You know? We need to redeem those things. Okay? Some things need to be rejected. Some things need to be redeemed. Is there another R? Can somebody come up with another R? Because I want to have a three-point alliteration on that. Reject, redeem, and... Well, that's... Okay, reconcile. Okay, and reconcile. There we go. Thanks, Chet. I just felt like we needed an alliteration. Okay, engage the culture. But heed the warning about engaging the culture, right? Okay, and then there needs to be a presence with, with people. When Paul was provoked in the Spirit, what did he do? Yeah, and where did he talk to them? Where they were at. Yeah, first he went to the synagogue. Okay, because he's what? He's a Jew. He's Jewish. Okay, all right. And so, and, and, and so, right, Keith, that's where the Jewish people would be in the synagogue. Okay, great. Thank you. I, I knew you'd know. Okay, all right. And so, the, the, the Jewish people are in the synagogue, so he goes there. Okay, and he engages them in conversation, and he's, and he's, and he's talking with them. But then he also goes just to the marketplace, right? just goes out of the marketplace because that's where people are. He is present with 
people. If we're going to build missional relationships, guys, we've we got to be present with people. Okay, We're not going to build missional relationships locked away somewhere, segregated somewhere, behind you know, a wall you know, in our Christian fortress or perhaps in our Christian ghetto. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm not sure if it's a fortress or a ghetto, to be honest. Okay, I really, Sometimes it, it seems to be a little bit of both. Okay, well now we've got to be present with people if we're going to build mission. That's got to be part of our practice. We also have to interact with people, with persons. Interact with persons. Okay, like, well, what persons? What does that mean? Well, multiple individuals. Okay, people is the, the mass. Persons, are, that's individuals. But it's just more than one individual. So we need to, we need to be present where the people are. Okay? But we also need to interact with individuals. And that's also what Paul did. Because he, he engaged people in conversation. It says he reasoned with them. You know, he, he reasoned, debated, conversed, interacted with one-on-one individuals. Okay? And then you've you got to share the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. That's what Paul did. Because he was preaching Jesus, he was teaching Jesus, he was sharing Jesus and the resurrection. Okay? And here's the deal. Get this. Okay? This is important. You can engage culture, you can be present with people, and you can interact with persons, but if you fail to proclaim the gospel, it is not missional relationships. It's not. It isn't. Fall short. That is not missional relationships. That is not the practice of living out the mission of God in relationships with people. It just isn't. There must be a proclamation of the gospel. So we had the foundation. Okay? And then we've had the practice. But there's a question I still think we probably need to answer. What does that look like in our context? What's the application? Well, let's talk about application. Okay. The application. What does this look Okay, and, and here's what I need to say now. I, I'm going to suggest some things to use application. They're not the only ones. And they're suggestions. Okay. Like, the first one is this document right here. The Survey of Social Network. Okay. All right. Survey of Social Networks. Um, Pastor Chet put this together way back when our core team just started to form, before we even began to meet in like this at all. We had the Survey of Social Networks, okay? And it's simply a tool to help you organize and think about and be intentional about relationships with people who are outside of the Christian faith, those who would call themselves outsiders or who would not be a Christ follower. Because that's, you know, that's what we're talking about in missional relationships, engaging those who are, who, are, who are apart from Christ at this point in their life. And this is a tool to help you be intentional about that. Okay? And so I want to encourage you, uh, if you were, back, were part of our core team kind of way back in the beginning, you got one of these. Man, bust it out. Okay? And, 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 if, it's, and if you look at it and say, man, that's a tool that's helpful to me, then use it. And maybe you're relatively new or newer to Redeemer. Maybe, you know, you came along after we gave this out. You can still get it. Okay? 
and and I have one hard copy right here that I will give away uh, to the to a lucky contestant uh, to one to one individual. But here's the great thing: we have an electronic copy, and on the back table there is a notebook and a pen. And what you can do is you can just simply write down your email address. I know we probably already have it somewhere, but this is you saying yes, I want a copy of the. Uh, survey social networks. So give me one. And, and it's real easy. We'll take that home today and attach the file and send you a copy of the, of the um, survey social networks. Okay? Now, um, but another, another application I think is cultivate or build relationships where you spend your time. Okay? So build relationships where you spend your time. If you um, spend your time at home, okay, if you're, if you're, uh, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, okay? Stay-at-home, what else is there? Stay-at-home kid, you know, I don't know. If, if you spend most of your time at home, then build relationships with your neighbors, okay? Because you got your neighbors around you. Build, build relationships with your neighbors, okay? Because that's where you spend your time, in the neighborhood. That's where you need to be building your relationships. Or, or But maybe you spend your time... At work, maybe you spend more time at work, then guess what? That's where you need to build your relationships. You need to be building relationships at work. Maybe some of you, a couple of you, spend a lot of time at school, in class. That's where you need to be building your relationships, That's on campus, in class. Maybe you spend a lot of time drinking coffee. Then I would say hallelujah. All right? I'm with you. But then you need to be building relationships at the coffee shop. Build relationships where you spend your time. And then you need to build a routine. You need, you need, a, you need to build a routine. Develop a routine for interactions with people. Here's, here's what I mean by that. Let's say, let's just say, that I'm the type of person who regularly goes to the Espresso Royale on, let me just pick one out of the air, Neil. Okay? All right? I'm being facetious, right? Y'all know that? Okay. Right. I go there all the time. All right? Man, I, I just need, that needs to be my routine. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to drink coffee. That's a reality. I'm going to drink coffee. So let me build a routine about that. Let me just go to the same one or two coffee shops all the time and then interact with the people I see every time I go. Okay? <clears throat> when I go, the, it's the same barista. You know what a barista is? Those of you who are not coffee people might not realize that is the wonderfully talented person who puts the espresso and then the coffee, it's a proper mixture in the cup. Slides the Java jacket sleeve on there. Love, love the barista. Okay, all right. <clears throat> Same barista every time. In fact, if I go into Espresso Royale on Tuesday morning, I do not have to order my drink. Oh, you want the large coffee with like five shots of espresso? No, only four. Okay. Yeah, they know. In fact, there was a time. That that drink was actually named after me, but now there's I have to retrain because I go in a different time now and I have to retrain these baristas. That the drink is actually named after me. It's a Jim Smith. Okay, all right. But see what I'm saying? 
And, and, and I don't mean to be holding myself up as this great example of this. I just, it's just the thing I know. But build a routine, okay, in your interactions with people. If it's a coffee shop, go to that coffee shop the same times and the same days. Or maybe it's a, maybe it's a same, maybe you eat out at the same restaurant. Um, or whatever, you know, every, every Thursday. Well then great. Then routinely interact with the people who you see every Thursday, uh, at, you know, at that restaurant or Tuesday. If you if you attend Parkland College, Tuesday is a great day to eat. That that what's the pizza place called, Joe? What is it? Okay, Mama Leon's, right? And, and isn't Tuesday the special day where you can get the pizza and the drink and everything for the lower price? Great. You know what? And other people know. Other other people know that that's the great day to eat cheaply at Mama Leon. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, all right. I'm just having a hard time hearing because I guess my mouth is moving. Okay, all right. So I guess my mouth is working, so my ears are not. Yeah, all right. I'm going to listen now. Say it one more time. Mama Leone's. Okay, so other students at Parkland know that Mama Leone's on Tuesday is the day to get pizza. Guess what? You're going to, if you do that, there's a routine. And then now make, build that routine, your interactions with people around that routine. Whatever your routine, routine is, build your interactions with people around that. Okay, and then uh, just give me the next one because I forgot what it is. Okay, learn to ask questions. All right, learn to ask questions. And I mean this in two ways. That's a great way to get to know people, asking questions about them. Okay, that's how you get to know people. Now, learn to ask the right kinds of questions. Like, I would say that this would not be an appropriate question. I'm just a little example here. And, Jackie, do you mind if I use you as because I don't know you that well? Hi. Oh, what's that shoe do you wear? Okay, that is, that is probably not the kind of question I'm talking about. But how about this? If you go to, oh, well, let me use a coffee example again. Let's say you go to the coffee shop, and you go there every Tuesday around um, 8, and you've seen the barista two or three times in a row, then you say, hey, do you drink coffee? I mean, come on. Isn't it safe to talk about coffee in a coffee shop? And if they say, yes, and it's like, oh, really? So what do you like? I mean, you see everything, probably sampled everything. What, what kind do you like? You know, and then it's like, well, I like Sumatra, and I usually put two shots of espresso in it, but I always have cream. Oh, really? I'll, well, make me one of those. I want, to, I want to have what you like. You know, I mean, that's just an example of asking a question. And then, oh, hell, I'm Jim, by the way. What's your name? Okay, there you go. Boom. That's what I'm talking about. Ask, learn to ask questions to get to know someone and find those connections, the way that those things that you might have in common. Because if you're in a coffee shop and they like coffee and you like coffee, that's better than like, what's your shoe size? Four and a half? Oh, that's mine too. Where do you shop for shoes? You know, like, I just think that's a little more, I think, yeah, that's just weird. Yeah. At least I think it is. How many of you would feel comfortable someone asking you that and going that way? Okay. Learn to ask questions, but not just the get to know you questions. You also need to learn to ask the what do you believe questions. How do you get to those? Here's one that I like. Once you once that relationship is going a little bit. Hey, what what books have you read that have most influenced your life? Okay. There you go. You're going to find a little something out about them. And a little bit about what they believe. And you have the opportunity because they're probably going to say, how about you? You know, because that's the other thing. Learn to ask questions that that people want to reciprocate. Right? You know, when you ask that, then they're like, well, how about you? You know, well, um, 
the Bible actually is the book that's made the biggest impact on my life. And then also this book called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And another book called Total Church by Tim Chester and Steve Timmis. By the way, if you don't have a copy of that, I, I, I got one for you. Okay? All right. But anyway, you know, something like that. Learn to ask the kinds of questions that first are the get-to-know-you questions. And then also the what-do-you-believe questions. Okay? All right. And then remember to serve. What did we sing? I mean, what was our prayer earlier in the, ser- in, in the worship experience? Yeah, make me a servant. We were, we were praying because we were singing, and as we were singing, I don't know if you noticed, but that song was directed to God. The language of that, it was directed to God. So we, that was our prayer this morning. Our, our collective corporate prayer this morning was that God would make us into servants. Serving in the way that would give us the heart of a servant, would make us into servants in the way that Christ is a servant. The way he has served. So, don't forget that. Remember to serve in this, in this building of, of missional relationships. Remember to serve. That's part of building those relationships. And it's also part of living out the mission of God. Because that mission of God involves and kind of revolves around service. So remember to serve. And you know, that, that totally takes on, that looks, that looks like a bunch of things. It, it could be service in giving a gift. It could be service performing a task. It could be, you know, uh, service repairing something. Uh, you know, I have a friend at, at U of I um, building a relationship with this guy. He was uh, not a Christian, and we had a good, pretty good relationship, and we had several kind of gospel conversations. And one day, his car broke down, he had a little battery problem, and uh, that was like one of the three things I know how to fix on a car. So, I was like, yeah. And, uh, and all the deal was he needed a new, uh, he needed a new clamp on, his, on the end of his battery cable, okay? And uh, because it was all corroded and messed up and everything, and he also needed the battery post cleaned. Well, I just know how to do that. And, he, and I just like, oh, you know, hey, Alex, this is what you need. And he's like, oh, really? You're not, you can, I'll take it. Nah, no, I'll fix it for you. And I went to AutoZone, spent $4, got the clamp, brought it back, fixed it on his car, and there you go. I mean, that's just a simple, easy thing, but um, it represents Christ. Because Jesus served and instructed us who follow him to serve, to be servants. To have the heart of a servant like him. So don't forget to serve. Okay? And then practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. This is the deal where you just have people in your home and feed them. People will talk over a meal. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if, the, I mean, I don't know that I can necessarily point to something biblical about it or anything like that. I, just my experience, anecdotal evidence, okay? from my own experience, is that people will tell you more about themselves and open up more over a meal than at other times. Okay? Um, whenever I take the Amtrak train any distance, like if I'm, you know, if it's, like, say, from here to New York, if I'm going to, which I've done that. I, so, oh, we're not here, Chicago. Okay? So, drive up to Chicago, get on Amtrak, take it to New York City. Uh, it's like an 18-hour train ride. It's actually really fun. done it a couple times. And um, so they got a dining car. I never go to the dining car with people I know. Because here's what happens. Amtrak, 
you're gonna there's gonna be four people at that table no matter what. So if you go by yourself, guess what? You're gonna get to, you're gonna get to sit with three three strangers. I've never in my life had a problem talking about Jesus in the dining car on an Amtrak train. In fact, one of the best one of the best experiences I ever had uh, was with the a Harvard graduate student who was studied who, who was getting a master's in Tibetan studies, and she was the Buddhist campus minister at Harvard. Okay, and we had. We had this great conversation. And man, I was just telling her about Jesus. Just telling her about Jesus. And, um, and she was real open and everything. And then I said, you know, her name was Willow, by the way. I said, Willow, just the fact that you and I are sitting here having this conversation tonight at dinner is a fulfillment of the Christian scriptures. And I quoted Acts 17. 26 and 27 from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the earth and he determined the, the, the times and the boundaries of their habitation so that together men would feel for him, reach out for him and find him though he's not far from each one of us. I said, you and I got thrown here together at this table and our whole conversation has been about finding God. This is a fulfillment of the Christian scriptures. She's like, you know, I could see that. And then I went back to my sleeper car because it's a long story, but my son was sick and I was like, blah, blah, blah. anyway, all right, that's not, part, not irrelevant, irrelevant, okay. I went there for breakfast. Guess who I sat with? Willow, okay. I mean, man, practice hospitality. Have meals with people. Either, either have them in your home and share your home with them, you know, or take them out to lunch, take them out to, to a restaurant. Buy their dinner, buy their lunch, spend time around the table. Practice hospitality. You realize that's a spiritual gift, right? Hospitality is a spiritual gift. And spiritual gifts are given for the common good, for the building up of the church, right? So yeah, man, in this whole area of missional, missional relationships, practicing hospitality is huge. And then, and then finally, share the gospel. Share, tell people about Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. Now, here's the deal. It'd be real easy. It'd be real easy um, for me and for us to, to, to say, okay, now, get out there and go do this. And, and it, it needs to be done. Don't get me wrong. Okay, It needs to be done. But not in your strength. Not in mine. Remember the foundation. It starts with God. Him exalted. And then humbly embracing God's good, perfect, and pleasing will. And all along, Acknowledging the nearness of God in that whole process. And here's what God exalted, his, this being His will for me, this being His will for us, and His nearness in the process. Here's what all of that comes down to for me. 
And I hope for you too. It means what I do from here in this area of missional relationships is I walk by faith, not by fear. Because let's be honest. Let's be honest. This whole thing about sharing the gospel, it can be scary. Right? And, and it's, it's uncomplicated. I'm not saying it's easy, <laughs> but it's uncomplicated. We try to complicate missional relationships. We, we try to complicate talking to people about Jesus, sharing the gospel. And we, just, we try to make it real complicated. It's uncomplicated. I mean, the message this morning, it, it was very simple. Because it's right there in the text. It's right there in the Bible. And, and it's, just, it's, it's, it's not complicated. It's not necessarily easy. But it's uncomplicated. And what it comes down to is not doing more. Just living in faith more, not fear. Not being dominated or crippled or discouraged by our fear. Fear of rejection, fear of getting it wrong, fear of whatever. You know, but faith that God is exalted and it's his work to bring men and women to himself in Christ, to bring men and women to repentance and faith in Jesus. That's God's work. And he's been doing it all along. And yes, he involves you and I in that because it's his will to do so. But the thing is, we're not alone. He's with us. He's right there. He's near. He's, he's right there in the process. Let's walk in faith in that reality, that foundation, and build and live and interact and proclaim the gospel in missional relationships. Why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I, I rejoice that you are God Almighty. And that you, you, you aren't contained in temples that men build. We can't control you or even serve you with our human hands. But you give to us everything. Because that's who you are. You are exalted. And God, even though you are this exalted God, you, it is your will to involve your people, us, in this process of men and women coming to repentance and faith in Christ. But God, you don't give us this task and leave us to it alone and in our strength. But yet it is you who empowers and is near by your spirit in this process. And we rejoice in that. God, help us, empower us now to walk not in fear, but in faith. To live not in fear, but in faith as we practice missional relationships in this city. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.